0: The address of One Hacker Way is arguably the most famous of any technology company now in the world. That is, of course, the headquarters of Facebook. Today, I entered building number 20 uh, at Facebook's HQ. It's a building actually on the other side of the road from their normal campus, which uh, has a gardened roof over 400 square feet of space and some of the finest artificial intelligence researchers in the world. Uh, I speak today with the Director of Engineering for Core Machine Learning at Facebook, Hussein Mahana, about the topic of personalization. What are the pros? What are the cons? How does it work at Facebook? And how is Facebook aiming to implement personalization in a way that will improve customer experience? What are the various AI problems that need to be solved? And how is Facebook beginning to crack away at those issues? Without further ado, an interview from Facebook headquarters here in the Tech Emergence Podcast. So yeah, so the first question was, um, just around, you know, people think personalization is just, hey, I like this page, I like this band, that's why my feed is the way it is. What else goes into that?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's far more than that. I mean, actually, if you think about it, we have a billion users logging onto Facebook every day or more, actually. Yep. Um, and every minute there's like millions of likes and hundreds of thousands of photos being loaded. Um, what this ends up in is an information explosion. So essentially, um, on average, every user has 1,500 new stories per day, on average. Right. So that's really information overload. Yeah. Um, and there's like maybe 150 possible images to see. So... Um, this is an overwhelming amount of content and it's way beyond just the bands you like or just uh, you know a, a particular person. People are sharing a lot of information all day long. They're generating content um, about themselves, about their trips, about their parents, their kids. Um, and so there's just a, f- a lot of information. Um, Facebook, today in terms of personalization, um, it leverages a lot of the signals that, you know, maybe you've interacted with a particular type of content before or um, your friends have interacted with that and we know that you guys are close and so we try to bump those up. Um, the challenge, however, is that doing this at scale, so doing this for a billion users uh, for 1500 stories every day is just a humongous uh, uh, thing here. And it's rarely just the case of, like, I mean, obviously, um, uh, social signals are very important and strong, but we try to develop algorithms that just look beyond that. So as an example, some of our future directions is trying to understand, uh, essentially, what is it you like in the post. Like, if you've interacted with political posts before, uh, during an election season, that makes sense that we show you more of that at that period, but not necessarily all of the time. Uh, so I can't really reveal a lot of what we do in terms of the algorithms, but what I can say is that personalization as a problem in itself is, is very difficult because one of the things people sometimes uh, will let you know is that if you interact with uh, with a system and you feel that system really knows you well, sometimes people may feel like this is uncomfortable, right? Mm-hmm. And what we try to do at Facebook is that the moment you feel that a personalized system is uncomfortable or creepy, then that's not a personalized system. Uh, the, the system needs to be transparent, it needs to be open, it needs to be. It needs to give you a smooth uh, experience, and that's what we try to do at Facebook as much as possible. Uh, while obviously, um, and, and this is very important, respecting
0: people's privacy and making sure that their data is secure. So as you'd mentioned, you know, a billion users, average of 1,500 uh, you know, potential stories per day, per guy, yeah. uh, per, per individual who's on the system. Um, social signals and, and, uh, and some kind of cues about what it was that they liked in previous posts to sift through all of that hubbub to figure out, okay, you just logged in at 4 o'clock, what should you be seeing that you might like? Mm-hmm. Um, so having to kind of parse those things out. Uh, clearly, you guys are moving into sort of new domains of personalization. Facebook is a much more personal experience than it was. four or five years ago, uh, four or five years into the future. It presumably will be more so, not less so. Mm -hmm. Um, What are other areas that you guys are excited about innovating in that would make Facebook a more individual uh, experience?
1: Yeah, so I think a lot of the personalization uh, technologies today um, sort of rely on some sort of crowdsourcing. Um, You know, this is very similar to also technologies that um, are used in Amazon where you buy a product and, and um, yeah, I mean, they're not, they're not the same per se, but it's, they're all derived from the same sort of science where people sort of are attracted to a particular type of item and then you suggest items that the people have generally bought together. Now, um, so, like, let's say you bought item A and people generally buy item A and B together, so you suggest B. That is really um, you know, a limitation in, 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 in the technologies hmm. that exist today. Um, it works really well because there's a very high chance that um, since and B have been bought together that you'd also need So, As an example, if you're buying, um, let's say you have a baby and you're buying diapers, you probably need some wipes, and so these two things come together. But this doesn't really work. Um, this works really well for mass-produced products, but it doesn't really work for uh, personalized items. So, in terms of clothes, this is not gonna work, hmm. right? Um, and I highly doubt that you'd find uh, good services today that would actually give you personalized recommendations for your clothes. Oh, right? um, okay. uh, and, and if they follow this type of crowdsourcing, that's not going to be an interesting thing. So, that, I'm talking right now about the science, right? I'm actually sort of detaching myself from Facebook And I'm trying to give you sort of the science perspective of this, the the artificial intelligence or the machine learning science behind all of these. And generally, it's easier to explain when you're talking about products uh, that you could buy. But in terms of the future of personalization, there's just a lot more uh, to do. And and the rise in deep learning will help us uh, build better systems that understand human interests um, better and also understand human interests better as they change with time. And that's so that... And and this is important. Facebook so that we could give users the ability of going through these stories in the most efficient uh, manner. So, as an example, um, the first thing we want to do, like in terms of the future of personalization, we really want to understand the content from the individual's perspective. Like um, this is an this is one of my favorite examples. I don't watch soccer. Um, A lot of my friends do. And the last thing I really want is to have my newsfeed full of soccer, uh, movies, or clips, or or, or stories. However, um, I have stumbled across a video for Messi, which is this very famous yeah. player, and it was a video about clips um, of him playing soccer and doing some amazing tackles when he was a kid, all the way until you know he became a professional player, and it's just. It was about 15 minutes long Whoa. or more, and I watched all of that hmm. because this is, you know, it, the video itself is interesting. I've never seen such a video that shows the progression of a player, and he's a fantastic player, and it was really condensed. So um, so that is a kind of a, uh, a, that is a type of content I would like to see, right? But I don't want, like, the last thing I want is the system to confuse that with me liking something, yeah. right? So what is it in the video does the user like? And so that, that is a very hard problem, and um, uh, we need to solve that.
0: You yeah. you have a question? Sure, yeah. Just to build off of that, I, I get where you're coming from, and I can completely see how if we're putting things in buckets, that's the soccer bucket. Mm-hmm. But, it's, but maybe it's not for you. It's, 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 a, it's more of an interest in the dynamics of athletic development, or it's more mm-hmm. of a um, a particular display of athletic talent. You don't care that it's soccer. It could be gymnastics. You'd be exactly. fascinated in the development. Um, it, it's probably impossible to come up with enough buckets, so we'd have to sort of parse out the meaning, the sense, the flavor of that video that separates it from soccer, and yeah. that, that is hard.
1: You need, you need to understand that content a lot better. Like, that's a public video. It's just shared outside there. So a lot of the deep, te- deep learning technologies today to classify or tend to understand content at a very coarse level, um, they're not even there yet when it comes to understanding that even though this is a video of soccer activity, it's the video of this person growing up across many years yeah. doing awesome tackles. Um, AI is not there yet, nope. right? And, and in order to do that, you need significant amounts of data, and it's very prohibitive at the moment to teach uh, an AI system to understand that type of, you know, that content in in that depth. So that's a problem we need to solve, we need to figure out how to solve, like this is still a very open question. Yep. The other thing is, um, users generally get easily bored. Like that's the reason why focusing on personalization in terms of changing interests, like people's interests change over time, it's very important. So people get easily bored after watching a particular genre of content. Like as an example, I get extremely exhausted after watching you know or reading about uh, some political news or some you know unpleasant news happening outside there and it's it becomes it becomes sort of draining now it's important i still want to read it but i don't want my news feed to be completely Jammed, dominated yeah, yeah. by that so so actually inferring user contents around inferring user, user interests around content is non trivial as i pointed out but actually um, inferring that across time Uh, uh, over time is even harder. The other thing is, um, people tend to interact uh, passively with content, and so um, it's like, how can you understand that the user is actually delighted? That's also a very, um, uh, this is not necessarily a machine learning problem, but it's a problem that affects our ability in understanding the user's um, sort of reaction towards the content. So that's one thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? So, so, understanding content in a much deeper manner, understanding the user interest development over time or how they change over time, um, and also just being able to understand how the user is reacting to comments. So those, those are a couple of challenges. The other thing is um, two way interactions. So, two way Yeah. Okay. Like, yeah. there are, um, you know, how can we build. Um, the most personalized Butler uh, for our Facebook users.
0: Yeah, um, yeah. And so imagine you have a
1: chat bot that is really aware uh, of your interests and preferences. And so um, you know, there's a lot of opportunities. I mean, chat bots are a growing genre of technologies, um, and this is an area where human beings can sort of interact uh, in a multiple modality form. Uh, with, with, with this agent, and therefore, you know, how can we take it from like you just calling, like imagine yourself calling a call center to fix your phone completely and personalized, just totally bare minimum and frustrating that doesn't really understand you, doesn't yep. really what you're coming from. You have to explain a lot of context versus, you know, your most, uh, a, a butler who really knows you well. Um, and I think that personalization. Um, has the ability of changing these two-way interactions um, between human beings and, you know, uh, automated agents to become extremely personalized. Um, and and that, that is actually a, a, a whole new area where personalization can work. And, and it's important that, you know, I, I completely understand and we know and we're aware that people have this reaction towards like, oh, how does the system, why does the system know so much about me or why does it behave like that? Um, and therefore, it's very important that we remove that sort of uncomfortable factor um, and, and and human beings do that. Like if you're, if you're, if you yeah. have, let's imagine you have a butler who knows you really well, well, you know, they're, they're, they'll understand how to remove that sort of uncomfortable feeling. And that's what, uh, that, that's some kind of intelligence that, um, you know, is is really futuristic in terms of not only that, the system is making smart decisions about what you want or what would be good for you, they're making it in a way that makes the human being feel comfortable, so it means that it needs to be transparent, it means that it needs to give you a heads up, and if you look at that, you can apply it to like a lot of other things, like even if you talk about, um, if you have tried, I had a friend who let me try his um, uh, self-driving Tesla, and the fact that you don't understand what the machine is going to do next, like, is, is the same problem. Like, it's extremely smart. You feel a bit creepy. You don't trust it because you don't know what it's going to do next. And so there's a whole, um, there's a whole sort of opportunity here to make these systems a lot more natural.
0: And that's, the, that's a bit of the psychology element here. I mean, robotics has that whole um, uncanny valley where, you know, a certain amount of humanness beyond a certain point but still not quite human is weird. Yeah. Uh, a certain amount of personalization framed in a certain way is weird, yeah. um, and, and the same experience with self-driving vehicles. That's an interesting problem to navigate. What if, have what if you found sets off those buzzers of like, oh, I don't like this? I mean, the obvious examples would be using really specific facts about somebody that are too specific, right? Facebook would never let you run an advertisement um, as as an advertiser saying, you know, 45-year-old men in Wisconsin, right? Because that that's... You're going to scare people. Mm-hmm. It's not cool. Um, so one example might be overly particular and in specific information. What are those other things that really need to be avoided for people to be seamless and not have that icky feeling?
1: I think people. Um, I mean, there there are a lot of there are like this is an nascent area, so I don't think we know all of the oppor- all of the sort of friction points yep, that cause yep, people yep. to think about that. But I think one good remedy in general is transparency like people want to know how did that system uh why is the system making this kind of recommendation right and then the second part that you know is important is people being in control so it's very important for me to tell the system like imagine again let's let's fast forward 50 years from now you have this amazing butler who you know um uh is trying to suggest that you send flowers uh, to um, uh, your girlfriend or something. And and so let's say you're having a rough patch with your girlfriend, and <laughs> you don't want to open this topic again, so you need to be able to tell the system, I don't want to, you know, talk about this. And the system would understand, and they would quit the ah. topic. And you could scale this down. So let's assume I'm I'm, you know, I'm going on to Facebook and I want to be able to tell Facebook and we give people that opportunity, but, but you want to do it in a much more natural way where you tell this intelligence system, you know, forget about this topic or let's not talk about this topic or do not um, suggest, you know, this or that. And that way, it's not only that it's transparent, but you also have extreme amount of control on, on that agent and telling them what, what to suggest, what not to do. So personalization is not necessarily just like the, you know, the, it's, it's not just about the pre-factor, but it's also about the control that you have. So you, you know, imagine you have your butler and you're, um, you know, and, and a human butler would understand that. A human butler, like I've, I've watched uh, Downton Abbey and you could see how the butlers, you know, operate and they know when to open up a particular topic or when the sort of lord is going to get really angry about something. So they like, you know, they, they, they socially calibrate. Exactly. That. And so. Um, and and, and that, is, that is, even though it's, in, it's subtle, but it's some f- sort of control where you as the person feel you can direct this butler or, or ask the butler to just completely forget the topic and then it needs to abide and, and, and forget
0: it. Is that, is that possible in some sense today? I know in Facebook, you, know, you see a particular ad and you say, you know, that's just not me and I'm not even interested and I don't want anyone looking over my shoulder at that. Uh, you know, click and then like not appropriate or whatever you want to label it. Is, mm. is, that, is that the degree of control we have now or are there, are there other elements that are sort of being constructed? How is that um, control being molded into the future of that experience? Yeah.
1: I, think, I think that's one form of control, but as the, these technologies sort of, um, the core part here is as these technologies develop, uh, we need to build these technologies from the get-go with abilities to control the learning. Like, um, a lot of these algorithms are not being built um, in general, even though at Facebook we, we, we definitely build them differently. But in general, like when you look at the science of it, there's no, there's very little in um, research uh, where it embeds in the algorithm itself the ability to forget yeah. or, or, or stop or control or be transparent. Um, a lot the of the challenges. machine learning gurus that I talk to, Um, don't really value transparency, but this is extremely important for the user's sake. So if the machine makes a decision, you want to understand why. You want to understand what are the key factors. If the machine makes a decision you don't like, you want to be able to edit its behavior. And these are not... Rarely do you see papers talking about that part.
0: Probably because, you know, in a lot of circumstances, it sort of doesn't matter. You know, machine vision for finding a a canned food thing that's dented... um, Mm -hmm who cares? You know what I mean? Nobody cares. But for Facebook, people might care and you need to, you need to care about that. The spaghetti strings that get pulled out around, why was I tied to, um, you know, this soccer team in my stream? It seems like in machine learning, you know, this is not an expert system where it's like, oh, well, at if then scenario number eight, you picked the second option. And so this is where it came from, right? Pulling that out sounds like a paramount challenge. Yeah, um, for you folks. Yes.
1: I mean, almost the, by definition in machine learning, it's about making complicated decisions out of the data in a way that is not necessarily humanly readable. Um, but that's something, you know, for personalization, we need to overcome for a good experience. Yeah. And and I want to embed within the algorithm the ability to forget or to, to, to just completely wipe off, wipe off its, its knowledge of particular areas. And that's something you have to pay attention to at yeah. design time. You know, so we still have a lot way to go so that A, we increase the intelligence itself, but if we truly want to increase the intelligence or the social intelligence of the agent um, or, or the system, then we need to embed all of these things. Because the human beings are that intelligent. You know, if you ask a human being to quit talking about a particular topic, it'll stop. Uh, yeah, they will stop. <laughs> and then the other thing is like, they actually even are even smart. Some human beings are even super smart enough to realize they should not be talking about this right now. Like, this person is angry. Why should I bring up uh, an angry topic? Right. So we're far away from that. Yep.
0: Yeah, but but that's that's the direction to move towards. Final question. Um, there are and and I I you know I, I don't have any particular gripes here personally, but you see stuff out on the web. Um, that some considerations around personalization. Uh, you know, there's there's different ideas around. Oh well, where is this taking in this in the future, good or bad? And I think everything's a double-edged sword. Um. Uh, you know, in, in the political domain, maybe there could be echo chambers if someone follows everything Hillary or everything Trump, and and now they're you know, maybe there there's a concern that they're just going to have those views proliferated. I don't really personally hold Facebook morally accountable for what I am exposed to in terms of media, but maybe some people have concerns. What are sort of the the biggest ones for personalization um, that you guys have to take seriously in terms of maybe things to kind of avoid as you make progress forward? Sure.
1: I mean, I think. It's very, you know, like, this is, this is related to bias within algorithms. Um, let's be very clear. If people have biases and they inject that to the algorithm, then, you know, it's just really the, the, the mistake or the fault of the people who are trying to do that. Um, in my opinion, there's an incentive for Facebook not to do that because Um, There's a large amount of, I mean, we're talking about your personal choices. We're talking about what you want and like. And so if we inject our biases, it's just as if having a friend who insists on, you know, being stoneheaded, injecting their own biases. It's just a very unpleasant relationship. And therefore, it is not a personalized system. So a personalized system needs to acquire someone. The personalized system needs to adapt to your, your biases. Um, if it adapts to the biases of, of whoever wrote the system, then it's not really a good personalization system. It's just a failure. Yeah. Right. And I highly, and I think the, the market, um, like if you if you believe in open markets, it's just if a company, social company, does that, then it's really setting itself for failure because if someone else comes and says, hey, I have, you know, an okay technology, but it's not biased, everybody's going to find that a much more uh, uh, pleasurable experience because. It's just like it's it's an un- unbiased system, it, it reflects me better, yeah, uh, versus reflect some other opinions. So, so I really think that you know, in personal when it comes to personalization, it's about removing friction points and injecting biases is just going to add those friction points, and then we're just going to lose. So, yeah, people would leave,
0: finding, finding, uh, you know, making it genuinely representative of people and, and ensuring that, um, you know, Facebook. Whether it's through how the decisions are made or when the decisions are made is not necessarily guiding that person's experiences as much as sort of their choices being projected as as it can. Be. I mean, that's
1: the that's the true north for personalization. Is that this system represents you, right? Not not anything else. Otherwise, it's not a, a personal system either, that it
0: has. I like the term "true north" of personalization. That's a good way to wrap it up. Hussein, thanks for uh, being yeah, here on the problem. podcast, brother. Yeah, no well, that wraps up today's episode here on the Tech Emergence Podcast, and thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to stay in touch with our latest interviews with C-level executives and top researchers and thinkers in the domains of AI and the intersection of technology and intelligence, then make sure to subscribe here on iTunes or visit us on our main website at techemergence.com, where you can see all of our interviews broken down by category, as well as articles, news, market research, and trends in artificial intelligence. If you found this episode particularly thought-provoking, feel free to leave your thoughts in a review here on iTunes, or you can feel free to reach out to us at our main website. Thanks, as always, for tuning in, and I'll catch you next week.